Really warm welcome to you all this morning as we gather as a church to worship God and praise God's holy name. We obviously come to worship in a context of a lot going in God's world, and we're going to be spending some time in prayer, particularly for the Ukraine this morning. But as we do gather, we gather in the knowledge of a God who loves us, a God who cares for us. And the psalmist says these words, God is our strength and our refuge, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We have nothing to fear because our God reigns. And so as we begin our worship today, we're going to sing that great song, Be Thou My Vision. We stand, we sing. This morning, recognizing, Lord, that you are in charge. We recognize, Lord, that you are with us. As the psalmist says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He makes the wars cease. He to end to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And so, Lord, right now, at the beginning of this time of worship, we're just still ourselves to know that you are God. And Lord, may we know your presence. May we know your, your comfort. May we know your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please sit down just for a moment. We're going to sing another song in a minute that talks about our God saved. But hopefully, as you came in, you were given something that looks like this. Yes? As we sing this next song, you can, on the back of it, if you have a pen, write a prayer for Ukraine. What's your prayer for Ukraine? And it might just be peace, ceasefire, whatever. And we're going to be using this in a moment as we just respond and pray for that situation in the Ukraine and God's hand to be upon that nation. So as we sing this next song... You've got a multitask, this will suit some better than others, the multitasking, but I'm sure we can do it as we stand and sing in the name of the Father. Our God is indeed saves. Please do sit down. Now hopefully you've got your flags. And this is something that everybody can engage with. We're going to bring a prayer of hope for the nation of the Ukraine. As we heard in the church meeting on uh, Wednesday, we have Andy and Rihanna there. They've moved to Romania at the moment and are coordinating the OM uh, volunteers. In the Ukraine itself, the Baptist churches have turned themselves into rescue centres and places of 
hope where people can go and get rest on their journeys. On the Polish borders, Baptist churches are welcoming refugees as Hungary Baptist UK, World Baptist Aged for Hungary is there doing the same in Hungary. Christians are getting involved. And on the notice sheet, you'll see ways that you can donate to these organisations directly to help them in their aid. But right now, we're going to bring a prayer. What we'd like you to do is the flags that you've got, if you're able, bring them forward. If you're not able, pass them to somebody who looks a bit fitter than you are and ask them to bring it forward. And place them in these grey baskets. You might want to stop and pray, and we put some cushions if you want to kneel and pray for a moment. Can you please keep the area so people can still get on and off the stage as needed? And we're going to pray. And also as you drop your flags into the grey baskets each side, you might want to take a sunflower seed. The sunflower is the national flower of the Ukraine. We've got some there, but it's the national flower of Ukraine. Joe, I've got this idea that we just plant as many sunflowers this year as possible as a sort of solidarity with the Ukraine. That everywhere, all over Romford, sunflowers. If you want to drop them on a bit of common land or something, you can do that. Just as, as a prayer offering for the Ukraine. But as this time goes, we're going to have a bit of music playing just to reflect. You might want to just be quiet, bring the flags forward, and they're going to be placed here as an offering for the Ukraine. Just come forward when you're ready. The music will play. Let's pray for the nation of the Ukraine. And Lord, we pray for peace. And Lord, as each of these flags indicates our prayers that are said, Lord, we thank you that you are the Lord who is our strength and our refuge. And Lord, at this time, we pray for all world leaders. And Lord, we pray for a confusion for all the invading armies. Lord, we pray for spoilt fuel in their tanks. Lord, we pray they will become disorientated. And Lord, we pray they will see that they are in an unjust war. Lord, we pray for the nation of Russia. And we pray for an outbreak of leadership that is good. We pray, Lord, that they will stand against the evil in their own nation. And Lord, we say, have mercy. Have mercy upon the nation of the Ukraine. And Lord, as we just think about the sunflowers, the tiny seeds that can become massive sunflowers, Lord, we pray that those tiny seeds of prayer that we are planting will grow into massive peace. Lord, we do pray for those helping 
refugees on the Polish border, on the Moldova border, the Hungarian and Romanian borders, and all the other borders for which people are fleeing. Lord, we pray that the ceasefire for green roots will hold. And Lord, we pray for the women and children who are fleeing. And we pray for the men who are being left behind. Lord, have mercy on that nation, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing blessing and honour. Um, I've got just a couple of notices about um, Easter, which is coming up in a few weeks' time. Um, a lot of you will know that um, Haverin are putting on a passion play um, on the grounds of the Queen's Theatre in Hornchurch. They um, are still in need of musicians and singers, so if that is something that you are interested in doing, please do um, speak to Josie Ronald. Um, she asked me if I'd mention it, so if you'd like to be involved in some way musically, please do get in contact. Um, it's great opportunity to actually go and watch it as well over the Easter weekend um, to just really understand the meaning of Easter. We have got next week um, a student social next Sunday lunchtime from 12.15 to 2pm and it's from years 10 upwards, a time together to have some lunch, chat, get to know each other a bit more, um, speak to Hannah if you'd like to find out more about that. And the first week of Easter, there is a lot of activities happening for children. So if you want to find out about them, they're on different days. They're on the Monday, the Tuesday, and the Wednesday. Um, Hannah's got leaflets. Please do speak to her because she can give you some more information about how to um, book places for them. And then finally, this Wednesday, we're starting a new series of Wednesdays at RBC. It is at 7.45 on Zoom. The link and everything is in the notice sheet, so if you don't get the email, please do grab a notice sheet before you leave, because it will give you all the Zoom code so that you can join in. And the new theme this time is called Be Still. There is an opportunity as well if you'd like to buy the book to go alongside it, that would be great too. But we're going to watch a promotional video now just to give you some understanding about what it's about, and we'd love to see you. Be still and know that I am God. It's an invitation that has echoed throughout history. This regular encounter with God is what we're going to explore on this course. Be still, a simple guide to quiet times. We need to create space in our lives for regular encounter. The space to walk, talk and listen with God. In the quiet time, we allow his heart to touch our hearts. This was the original plan, people encountering God. It's this place where I reflect with awe and reverence and wonder. I realise that for me it works a certain way, but I'm sure it works differently for each one of us. When you talk about an uninterrupted two hours, I don't have an uninterrupted two minutes usually. What if there is value in unseen actions and hidden places? 
Seeds germinate in darkness. A baby develops for nine months, hidden in the womb. There are some things that he's trying to say to us in the quieter place that prepares us to go out and do the things that he's asked us to do. Just as we are invited in, he also invites us out to the world to share his love with those around us. Father, lead each one of us into a real desire to meet with you more. In Jesus' name, amen. to see you there and uh, if you want to see a bit more this book I think there's some copies on the bookstall of it be still with the book that goes with the course and now just looking forward a bit quicker a bit further forward Samuel and JJ are just going to come and tell us about an event coming up on June the 5th So we all know about this event, about the Jubilee, celebrating our Queen's time in service. And uh, as a church, we and other churches in our area have decided that we will put out some big party in our car park at the bank holiday weekend of June, the first weekend of June, that will be the 5th of June. So what we need from our brothers and sisters is ideas. And also, if you can volunteer to lead any of the ideas that you bring forward, we would like for you to please help us with that. Uh, the event is going to be really fantastic. The theme of the event for us is Commonwealth, because our Queen indeed is a Queen of the Commonwealth, and we will hope that everybody will be able to participate in this. Uh, good morning, everyone. As, the, as uh, JJ said, you know, the theme would be you know, Queen of the Commonwealth and the Queen of Many Nations. We have so many nations in this, in this church. So um, we want the celebration to showcase what Her Majesty means to us. There's be plenty of food, you know, cultural dance, fashion from different countries that you know, the Queen is the Queen of. And this is going to be in, uh, uh, in collaboration with other churches within, within Havering. So as JJ said, the whole idea is to turn that car park into a massive dance floor. And if, to those of you who are not here last week, I turned 60, but you know, I'm still dancing. You know, my dancing shoe is still on. So, so that's what we need. that is what I need from you. To make this work, we need volunteers. We need ideas. Okay, if you have any idea or if you want to volunteer, you either see me or JJ or Ian or any of the leadership team. If you still find it a bit awkward to see any one of us, put your ideas in a piece of paper, drop it in the offering box. We will pick it up and we will talk to you. No idea is too small or no idea is irrelevant. We just want to do as much. So. The date is the 5th of June. We might think it's far down into the future. No, it's just around the corner. So please, please, please talk to any one of us and we look forward to it. So from now on, if you do not know how to dance, start practicing, okay? <laughs> I think I should have started practicing through 
three or four years ago. But <laughs> Can I just say a really warm welcome to everyone? And I know I said that at the beginning of the service, but I know others come. If you're new to this church and you want to find out more of the church, JJ's out there in the front, and she would be very happy to tell you more about the church, and she's got some books that just give you an introduction to RBC. And I should have said at the beginning who I was, for those who don't know. My name's Ian, I'm one of the ministers here, and Vicky will be helping and taking part in the service in a few moments. And it's a very special day tomorrow for somebody, isn't it, Don? Yes. Don't say it so reluctantly. <laughs> Don May, who has been a part of this church since he was knee-high to a grasshopper, uh, has uh, got to the grand old age tomorrow of 90. Those 90 years, Don has made count. I can't list everything he has done, but he's been a deacon and in charge of the fabric and everything in this church. He's done a lot for the hospice and everything. And at the same time, he has been a father, a husband, and also done a part-time job, I presume, somewhere in the whole lot. But Don, we really appreciate you. We love you, and we hope that tomorrow is a really significant day. You've done so much for so many people, and we want to salute you. And we're going to sing now as a church, Happy Birthday to Don. Happy Birthday to I would let him have a speech, but we've got a sermon to come yet. And, uh, <laughs> but Don, bless you. Have a lovely day tomorrow. Thank you to all who are putting money in the offering and giving by backs through the website and through the many other ways. The card giver, you can pay by or give by card out in the entrance area, putting money and checks in the boxes. And then that right now, I'm going to pray and thank God for all our gifts. Lord, we thank you for all the gifts that you give to us. And we thank you that, Lord, you are a great God. And Lord, we pray you will take all these gifts and use them for your glory. Amen. At this point, the children and young people are going to leave. And if you want to take the opportunity to put a gift in, you can do so at the same time or use the card machine as we stand and sing our next song, Living Hope. Anyone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ is welcome to join us in this communion service. The bread and wine will come around. If when the bread's coming around, you can hold your hand so that the stewards can place it into your hands and then just be ready to receive a cup as the stewards come round. That will help us greatly.
just to say that all the bread is gluten-free, so hopefully everybody can participate fully. As we come to what's often described as the climax of worship, we do so as broken people. People who are going through really tough times. Particularly remember Ken and the family as on Tuesday Pauline's funeral takes place. We remember Pauline Higgins and her family as they plan for the funeral Monday week. Tuesday week, I can't remember now. Whichever, we, pr we pray for you. And there are many others who are just going through really tough times. But in this service, there is healing. There is life. And Rodney's going to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, Rodney. Just before we pray, we've been mentioning the Passion Play. Um, some of us have got involved, and obviously there's a requirement for more. Um, for some reason, they cast me as Joseph of Amaphia. And uh, it struck me that as um, living back in those days as Joseph of Amaphia, who was a priest, just seeing everything that Jesus did, I want you to just visualise that in your minds and be thankful for what Jesus did. He healed the blind. He raised the dead. He was compassionate. But most of all, he died on the cross. And that impact on Joseph of Arimathea was great, wasn't it? Because he actually took Jesus' body after his death, took him to the tomb, and he wanted to make a statement Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me. So with that in mind, I'd like us just to come to our prayers of thanksgiving. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are a God, a God far beyond our understanding, a God that loves us so much. And we've been thinking about the Ukrainian people and also the Russian people. He is the same God of love, that he died for all. He's a God of compassion who cries out, who's seen injustice, who's seen things that happen that he's not happy with. But we're reminded in this final reminder of us with the cups laid before us and the bread of that ultimate sacrifice where Jesus died for each one of us so that we could be put right. And Lord, we just want to say thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you died on the cross, not because you had to, but because you wanted to. And Lord, if we were back in those days when we actually saw the miracles that you did and you continue to do today, Lord, we just pray that through that thanksgiving, our lives will be changed and that the lives of our country and our world will be changed. And we say with thankfulness, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Amen. Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says these words, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, 
he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. The Lord is coming again. But we proclaim our faith in him, in this bread and wine. When the bread comes round, we'll eat it as we receive it. But when the cup comes round, can you hold on to it? And then when everybody has been served, we'll eat together. The body of Christ was broken for you. It says this, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. Visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed and he wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night I looked and there before me were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the other, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion and had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. And the beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. And after that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beast, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, and three of, and sorry, and it came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. And this horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. And as I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair of his head was white like wool. And his throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. And a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. And thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, and the court was seated and the books were opened. 
And then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. And I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. And the other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. And in my vision at night I looked and there stood before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit. And the vision that passed through my mind disturbed me. And I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. I'm going to move on to the very end of the chapter. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Don't worry, son, I'm going to stay here. I don't know if you've ever been in a, a performance, a theatre, for example, where your whole focus has been on the stage. And there's that sudden shock when you realise that it's time for the interval. You've been so caught up in all that's been unfolding before you, the lights suddenly come up and you realise there are people around you wanting to know your opinion of all that is going, has been going on. And in a sense, that is what is happening here in chapter 7. We've been so caught up over the last few weeks of what has been happening to Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. The narrative that we've been told about the lion's den and been taken to Babylon and all that's been going on before them. And then suddenly we switch to this apocalyptic language, which really just means revelatory language. Where instead of Daniel interpreting the uh, prophecies and the dreams of the kings, all of a sudden, the tension has been refocused. The stage curtain has come, been, and come down and the light is suddenly thrown onto the audience, onto us. And it is to us, to the rest of the world, that God is now speaking. As we continue through the book of Daniel over the coming weeks, we're going to hear more and more of this apocalyptic revelatory language. And I'll be honest with you, we're not going to understand it all. We're going to join with the theologians who've gone before us, who've argued over it over hundreds of years. But we are going to hear that God remains in control. And perhaps as we've been watching the world events unfold, we need to be reminded of that. Our God remains in control. So what do we know about this particular chapter that we're looking at today? Well, we know this. If we were reading it in chronological order, this chapter would actually have fitted in between the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, when King Nebuchadnezzar's reign has come to an end and the start of King Belshazzar's reign. 
I suppose if you're watching a film, it's a bit like those flashback moments where you think you know where the film is going and then all of a sudden you switch back to a moment in time. And it would have been far more sensible to place this chapter where it chronologically belonged, but it didn't. And we don't know why, but God does and he was involved. So let's just accept that this is where it is in the book of Daniel. We also may recognise some of the language that we find within this chapter. The four beasts we've already heard about in chapter 2. It's reminiscent, resonant of the vision and the dream given to King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2. But we can skip forward to Revelation 13, where we read the dragon stood on the shore of the sea and I saw a beast coming out of the sea and it had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns and on each head a blasphemous name. There's messages, resonance between the language used here in Daniel and also with the language we find in the book of Revelation. The language that you find in the first two verses or verses two and three of Daniel talks about the four great beasts coming up out of the sea. Again, this is language that we have heard before or that is really resonant with the audience who are hearing it first, the Hebrews. For them, their understanding was the sea was a dangerous place. It is out of the sea comes chaos and disorder and mystery and restlessness. It's the sea where evil dwells and chaos rules. And that's why we get the four beasts coming out of the sea, bringing chaos and evil and destruction. It's also the fact that this vision was given to Daniel at night. Again, reminiscent of the book of Zechariah. And there's that language too that we can find in there about the four winds of heaven. Language that is appearing in other parts of our Bible, reminding us that it is God who has his hand on all of his creation, on all of history. The God of yesterday, today and tomorrow. And if we were looking at this text in its original language, we would discover that this chapter was written in Aramaic. But other chapters were written in Hebrew. It's not evident from that as we read our English Bible. But parts of Daniel were written in Aramaic and parts of it were written in Hebrew. And that's caused lots of conversation over the years between the theologians as to why and the wherefores. But what we read as we look at this chapter is the promise of the hope to come. We saw that in chapter 2, we see it again here in chapter 7, where Daniel reminds us to focus in on the God of the heaven and of the earth. And here we are reminded of that, as we are reminded about the Ancient of Days coming, and of that period of oppression and difficulty before that final judgment. So that's what we know. We know there's echoes throughout the Bible. We, we know that the language is something that we are familiar with from other parts. And we know from looking at this passage that 
secondly, the beasts are strong. You can't escape it, can you? As we look at the first beast, we realise it has the majesty of the lion and the power of the eagle. If we go to Jeremiah chapter 49, you see that language being referred to as he refers to King Nebuchadnezzar. And then we have the wings being torn off and being made to stand up like a man. Again, echoing back to Daniel chapter 4, where the proud and self-sufficient king is made to realise he isn't remotely authoritative. He is, in fact, weak. Then we have the second beast, described as being like a bear. A bear ready to pounce on more prey. The fact it's got ribs in the mouth would suggest that the previous prey was not enough for its appetite. Its appetite was voracious. He wanted more and more, more power, more victims, more authority. This was a powerful bear, a powerful beast. And then the third beast, a beast like a leopard that can suddenly attack its prey, but the speed is additionally given by the wings on its back. And then we have those four heads, which gives that inference of more power, more authority, that all-round sense of being able to look in all directions at once with speed and power and authority. And yet, despite all of that, the fourth beast is going to come and destroy the three previous beasts. And in the fourth beast, we get the reference to the iron teeth. Again, going back to the vision in chapter 2. And in that fourth beast, we get a ruthlessness and a savagery that brings around terror. And that's made worse by the ten horns, five times the normal number that you would have to suggest such extraordinary power from this fourth beast. And then from that fourth beast... Out of those ten horns comes this little horn, suggesting a human ruler to come. And how many of us have looked at this passage this week and wondered, as we've looked at our news, is this part of Daniel being fulfilled? We read of these powerful beasts. We feel threatened. But we carry on reading Daniel and we realise that even though those beasts are strong, God is stronger. Amen? Amen. And so we get to see that vision of the Ancient of Days. The ageless figure who's going to come and take his throne with authority to rule and to judge as we look at the description of the Ancient of Days, we get the whiteness of hair and the clothing suggesting purity. Again, language familiar to the readers of Ezekiel. We read about the river of fire, the judgment of fire that we can read about in Malachi 4, the burning bush in Exodus 3. That sense of God being present. Being present. And if we think about the ancient of days, the presence of God coming, no wonder then do we have thousands upon thousands surrounding him. 
and judgment takes place. And it's this judgment that will destroy the fourth beast, even while the fourth beast is boasting of its own power. We see that the remaining beasts will remain, but only as a shadow of their former selves. And then we read on, and then we read about the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man coming and approaching the Ancient of Days, being given ultimate authority, ultimate power, ultimate glory. And I was reminded of the passage from Mark chapter 14. When Jesus was asked by the high priest, are you really the son of God, the Messiah? And Jesus replied, I am. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. We know by reading the whole of our Bibles that the son of man is going to be given an everlasting kingdom. A kingdom where he will rule over all people, all nations, all languages. We know that when he died, as we've been remembering this morning with communion, he had ultimate victory over death itself. But we also know that there's a further judgment to come. We know that when Jesus ascended into heaven, that he sat down at his father's right side. And Philippians 2 tells us, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we are feeling unsettled, when we are overwhelmed by what we see in our world around us, turn back to passages like these and remind ourselves that Jesus has the ultimate authority. Every knee will bow before him. Every tongue confess him as Lord we can see countless passages in the Bible that remind us of this. I haven't got time to repeat them, but Deuteronomy 31.8. In Revelation 1, you get that reminder again, and you can just look up in a Bible or on the internet. Reminders that God is in control. The beasts may be strong, but God is stronger. Jesus used scripture to defeat the devil in the desert. We have scripture to keep us strong and to keep our eyes focused on the ultimate God, the God of heaven and of earth and under the earth. The beasts may be strong, but God is stronger. But also in this passage, is a reminder that the final battle is still to take place. Verse 15 said, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and the visions passed through my mind. They disturbed me. And so I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. We know that when Jesus went to that cross, he defeated death itself 
But we also know that he's going to come back and there will be that final judgment, that final battle still to take place. In a few weeks' time after Easter, we're going to be marking the ascension of Jesus into heaven. And if you remember, as Jesus ascended, the disciples were looking up as the cloud hid Jesus from sight. And they were said, told by those angels, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. Matthew 24, 30 tells us Jesus will return on the cloud of heaven to gather his followers to him as he comes to judge for the final time. The beasts are strong, but God is stronger. But there is still a final battle to take place. Many theologians over time have argued what these four beasts have referred to. Some of them have suggested it's Babylon or Medo-Persia or Greece and then the fourth beast being Roman, that being the beast of Rome. Others have suggested that they are political entities and kingdoms that have reared their heads over the years to come and to try and take over. Still others are waiting for that fourth, horn, that fourth beast and that small horn to reappear, the Antichrist to come. Whatever that future will look like, we know this, that there will be a time of persecution and hostility and difficulty and horror and pain. And that's most especially when we need to be focusing in on God, holding on to our faith in the face of everything that's going on around. Are you able to hold on to your faith this week as we've been watching the world events unfold? Are we going to be able to hold on to our faith when we're maybe facing our own persecution under pressure? I've got so many examples of Christians who are facing that today and I know that time has gone but around our world today. As well as in Ukraine and in Afghanistan and, and places today, Christians are under persecution. Even in our country today, we recognise that this is a different country to what it was. And we can feel crushed and downtrodden. And maybe like Daniel in verse 28, our face may feel that it's turned pale. But 26 and 27 says this. The court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever, talking about the fourth beast and the small horn. And the sovereignty, power and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. And his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. The end is guaranteed. The Son of Man will be victorious. The Ancient of Days will have the last say. What we are called to do is to stay strong. Even when we see our world turning upside down, even when we are under threat and attack. Theologians have described this chapter as being a pivotal moment between the old and the new. A pivotal moment between the stage 
and all that's happening on the stage to being swinging back to the rest of the world. We don't necessarily understand it all, but I want you to leave today knowing that God is in control. If you remember back all those weeks ago when Ian gave us an overview, what did he tell us? That we need to remain rooted in our faith. We need to not compromise in our faith and to focus on the hope of the future. No more can we see that here as we are reminded of the hope. Yes, judgment. Yes, difficulty. Yes, fear. But the certainty that God is a God of heaven and of earth. Our last song will remind us of that as we sing at the name of Jesus. Because in it we are going to be singing about at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And as we leave this place this morning, let us declare Jesus as our captain in temptation's hour. Because whenever that judgment will come, we know we need to remain strong. I invite you, if you're able, to stand as we sing. Don't forget, as you leave the building, there are sunflower seeds for those who escape that way, and there are sunflower seeds out the front. We have lots. Please do take some and scatter them as we remind ourselves and stand alongside our Christian brothers and sisters. And so, as we go from this place, we go knowing that our God is stronger and more mighty. Let us go with that hope and that confidence in our hearts, because we ask that in this day, both now and forevermore. Amen. 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 Thank you for being with us this morning.